morning. Today we're wrapping this series up that we began on Easter Sunday, looking at how to move forward from the aftermath of just unwanted circumstances or problems that we face in life. Sometimes it's because we cause them. Sometimes it just happens to us. Uh, you know, sometimes others cause them, but we're experiencing a storm on some level. Now, this is graduation time, and so you might be nearing graduation uh, if you're a college student, high school student, maybe a grad student. And so I'd like to just congratulate everyone who uh, graduated yesterday or is recently. It, 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 I know it's a month of, or the next few months of graduations, and so just we celebrate with you. We're really excited. Uh, you stayed the course, and we, my wife and I and kids got to celebrate uh, with some CBU students. My nephew graduated as well, so we were there to support him along with other graduates. And it was held at the Citizens Business Bank Arena in Ontario. It's this massive crowd of people. And we saw a handful of you. And so congratulations. Uh, if we didn't get a chance to, to say hi, or if you're kind of moving and at a point of transition where you're leaving, then we'd love to say goodbye to you. And so, um, you know, be sure to let us know. If, that, if that's your case, then Stop by a guest information table and uh, just you know let us know if you're transitioning out. Say goodbye to a guy this morning. It was like ah, and it's really exciting to to see God work in this guy's life. And I know that that's the case in many of uh, of your lives. And so uh, I wanted to pray, and then we'll uh, continue on. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in us. God, thank you for the students, Lord, both the high school students, the college and grad students, Lord, uh, those who are working hard to complete those programs. I just pray you give strength to those who are still in the middle of it, Lord. I pray for endurance for them and focus, Lord, for them. And, Lord, that you'd use this, God, uh, to prepare them for the next season of their lives. And, God, for those that have recently graduated, we just pray your blessing and protection over their lives as they're making major uh, life-changing uh, decisions. And so, God, would you guide them would they seek you, God, and really be directed by you? And thank you, God, for the chance that you've given us to come alongside so many at a key point in their lives and of their training. Uh, guide us now. We ask that you speak to us through your word. Uh, help us to really connect with what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to focus in on kind of a final aspect of dealing with the aftermath, and that is focusing in on learning from, learning from our experiences and learning from our circumstances. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that zeroes in on this idea of how to learn from what we experience in life. Uh, I remember being a daydreamer in school. Uh, I, I do remember that. Uh, I have a hard time remembering some of the things I learned in, in grade school and high school. But I do remember being a daydreamer in school as a pattern. My parents and my teachers would say, and I knew this because I would sit, I would always look for the seats near the window so I could doze off and stare at people walking by or just stare out the window and I would get distracted easy and I remember uh, teachers, parent-teacher conferences and it would pretty much be the same scenario which was, you know, you know, Josh has so much potential if he would just focus and he would just pay attention and really focus. He, he's just not applying himself and somehow I managed to finish high school and went off to college even though that you know, high school years were a blur. Went up to college, had a little too much fun my first uh, semester there in college, and landed in academic probation. And so I had to have a meeting with the academic dean uh, midway through my freshman year. And the dean said something to me, which was very similar to what the parent-teacher conferences were like, which was, maybe if you just focus, 
If you stop and focus, uh, you can get out of this probation period in the end. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this. And so my sister, who was a double major in English and music, and she graduated with high honors. She was still in college with me, but a few years ahead of me, or one year ahead of me. So I went to her and I said, look, I'm on probation. She's like, really? <laughs> you know, can you help me buckle down and figure this out? And you help me, would you help me figure out what I'm missing here? So she helped me to learn how to focus. She taught me some t- study skills. She helped me improve my writing skills. And she helped me understand how different professors really expect different things. And you, you can't just take this one approach and it applies to everyone. And so she gave me some real helpful pointers. And I made it through that phase of my life. And I remember leaving college and thinking, okay, I got all this information. I got this degree in hand. And... But I realized I had very little life experience. And many of the employers I went to, as I was looking for a first job, they kind of said the same thing. You know, they wouldn't give me a chance. And they basically said, you know, you've got this, this degree, but you, you need some life experience. And you have very little real life experience. And so, so which is it? Which is more important? Here's a diagram for us. Is, it, is knowledge more important? All this information that we get in our mind and just, you know, Tidbits of, of data and info on specific subject or, or gaining experience by connecting all these dots. What's, what's more important? More and more the trend during college and even in high school is, is, is to gain more life experience. So what are people doing these days? That's a question you can a- a- answer if you'd like. What are people doing? They're getting jobs. They're getting internships. They're, ge- they're trying to connect... You know, knowledge with life experience because they realize this is, this is what I need. Now Solomon, a king from Israel, who wrote most of the wisdom books in the, in the, in the Old Testament in the Bible, he takes this even further. He says, more than knowledge, more than experience, he says essentially this. He says, evaluated experience is really the best kind of experience. Okay? He, he ratchets it up beyond just you need more life experience. And he says, you actually need more than just life experience and more than just knowledge. You need to evaluate the experiences you're having. It's not just this wide variety of decades and decades of the same experiences over and over and getting more and more experiences, but it's learning to evaluate them. And that's what makes a person truly wise. And so having experiences but never evaluating them actually can keep us stuck. So, here's where we're going. You can pull out this listening guide in your bulletin. In the aftermath, it's wise to consider your way. When you're in the aftermath, it's, it's wise to, to evaluate, to stop and consider your way. What experiences are continually being recycled in your life? What is it that you just feel like, man, I'm just, this thing is just coming back at me every few months, every few years. I feel like I'm just... Stuck. I'm not gaining traction in this area. It's happened to me this, uh, I realized I needed to evaluate something this past week. Uh, we blew two tires in the course of, of a week, okay? Uh, two nails in my wife's van. Two nails, not one, but two. So I went to the tire shop. Thankfully they were able to patch it. Only cost me $15 to get the, the patches in the tire. Thankfully I thought it was going to be a new tire, but two little nails, you know, and the tire was flat, and we weren't even there. We had someone watching our kids, and so the tire was, uh, you know, thankfully, 
no accidents, no problems. But so that happened, got the tire fixed. Less than a week later, um, I ran over a screw and three inch screw and it just deflated my tire. I, I drove somewhere and I, I was in front of a friend's house and, and then by the time I got home, I hear this like, I go to my tire and I see there's a, there's a giant screw in there. Ah, again? I mean, it was just literally a few days before that we'd repair the van. And uh, so I had to go get that repaired. Thankfully, both these things were patchable and, and pluggable or whatever. And this one was only $12. I don't know how the price changed from 15 to 12 but it did. And so, uh, so you know, then uh, the next day I busted two, or we busted two, we had a big work day, and in the, in the course of time we busted two sprinkler heads uh, on Saturday. And okay, you know, sprinklers, do the math, you know. What, seven bucks a sprinkler, uh, six, seven bucks a sprinkler. And I, I kind of jimmy-rigged a plan to keep it all going. I found some sprinklers that I'm not using in a zone that I shut off, and I took those off. But I still need to do some patchwork. And, and so, you know, I realized at a certain point, and I kind of jokingly stopped and said to my wife, we better check our giving. <laughs> we better check to make sure that we're giving God, we better, I better look, because I handle this area of our, of our family, and I said, and I jokingly said it, but then I kind of jokingly didn't think it. Like, I better check our giving. Is there something I'm not accounting for? And she mentioned something, I said, yeah, 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 and then later I thought, no, she actually is right. And there was something that I needed to give off of that, had, that, that, that we had received, and I needed to give a portion of it back to God, and, and I had it. And it was, it, it, it actually, I thought to myself, that couldn't be it. But later as I stopped and I reflected on the costs of these minor repairs, I thought about the amount that I should have given and it was about the same amount. And uh, what I did was I got online and I gave my the amount for that. It was actually $40 that I needed to give. And so I gave that $40 because I'd received $400. And as we give you know, at least a tithe. And so I gave that. And, and I thought, God, I don't know if you were trying to show me something through that or not. But... But I appreciate that because I recognize something. Two tires, two sprinklers. Yikes, what's next? I mean, two broken bones, two, uh, two broken windshields. If this goes on, this could be pretty bad, you know. And, uh, and I actually was open to God. God, are you really trying to show me something through this? And uh, he alerted me to something I needed to check on and actually let my mind go there and... and and consider whether or not I had given God what was His. Now, what situation keeps being recycled in our life is really important to ask the question. Maybe you're, maybe it's something that you're in right now. Maybe there's something you're creating, or maybe it just keeps occurring in your life. Maybe it's debt. And, and the question of how did we keep getting here, how do we keep getting here, comes to our mind. You know, it's like you just wrote off the, the final balance, you sent it off, and you're so excited because you sent it, and the next day, the bill comes in the mail. And you're like, ah, oh, we just got out of debt and now we're back in debt. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe, maybe in your life, it's, we're not talking about the real issues in our relationship. And, and here we go again. And so we get on the merry-go-round of relationships and we're dealing with the same conflict. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's an addictive cycle. And there's guilt and there's shame and then there's relapse. And then there's guilt and shame and relapse. And if you're asking, why aren't, 
things really changing? Why am I stuck? Then Solomon has some great perspective for us. So Solomon, the king, he leaves his palace and he ventures out through his town. Okay, He takes a walk through town. He comes upon a situation. This is found in Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. And the situation causes him to stop and to reflect on what's really going on here. So let's take a look at this. It says this. The king, he stops by and he, he says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. It's, he's, he stops for some reason. He sees this empty field. But at one point, this was an opportunity. This was a vineyard. Okay? This, at one point, he knew this was a vineyard, but this has is, this is gone into disarray. Verse 31 says, And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. There's thorns and weeds everywhere. Things were growing up and the wall was broken down. The wall, you know, the stone wall that should have maybe been protecting the property. Everything is just kind of in disarray. Then verse 32, he says this, Then I saw and considered it. He's talking about it being the field. This, this overgrown vineyard, okay, with broken wall. I stopped... Or I'm sorry, I saw and I considered it. I looked and I received instruction. And here's the instruction. Here's what it taught him. The very next verse. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. He's saying, you know, he's, he's taking what he's seeing and he's applying what he knows to be true of life, what God has shown him. A little sleep, a little slumber. You ever gotten into that? A little snooze, five minutes? A little ten minutes news, a little you know hours news, and all of a sudden it's like, where did the where did the morning go? He says, you know, when we do that, poverty, you know, may come upon you like a robber, like an armed man. What he's doing here is he's connecting the dots of life. He's going through life and he's connecting some important things, and he's saying this is connected. He's evaluating. This is Solomon's evaluated life experience. Now I want you to zero in on this statement, verse thirty-two. Then I saw. And considered it. If you can go, yeah. I looked and I received instruction. Now this was originally written in Hebrew. Okay, this last phrase here. Uh, the Hebrew words. There's two Hebrew words. We see the words considered it here in English, um, but the words con- considered it or the words that form that idea in English are two words in the Hebrew. The first word is the word heart, and the other word is the word that that means to set. Okay, to set. Kind of like you're, you're setting a diamond in a ring. To put, to set, to place upon. Okay, that's the idea. And so he's, he's combining this idea of setting something or putting something in the heart. And in English we read, I considered it. Okay? The heart in the Bible is more than just the beating organ. It's actually the decision-making center. It's our decision-making core. The deepest part of us where we process life and where we decide on things. And what Solomon is doing here is he's observing the situation and it stirs something deep inside of him and then he files it in a place in his mind so that later on he can come back and make wise decisions in the future. He, He sets it into his heart. He's considering it. This word means more than... Like, we often would say consider you, like, maybe quick pause, and then you're moving on. This actually means a lot more than that. Setting something in our heart. A wise person does this. They consider their way. Uh, The opposite of that is really a simple person. In English, 
The word simple, a simple person, if we said, oh, he's a simple person, she's a simple person, or I'm I'm just kind of simple. What we're saying is that I'm ignorant or maybe I'm gullible. In the Bible, which was written in Hebrew, the word used for simple actually means that it's too open. The person is too open. Like, they're in their mind, they're too open to ideas. In other words, they never close the loop on their thoughts. They just kind of leave things hanging. And so Psalm is saying, look, don't just live your life without considering it. Don't just consider the possibilities, but draw like a conclusion. Close the loop, okay? Draw a conclusion on what you're um, experiencing in life. Evaluate and then draw a conclusion. So big question for us is how often do we do this? How often do we slow down long enough to consider our way in life, to consider our life experience, to consider what we're walking through, what's been recycled in our life. How often do we do that? I know for me, it's like, well, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to stop and consider. I don't have time to reflect. I got to get to this meeting. I got to hit the road and beat traffic. I got to, I got to get to the gym because I got to get to this other meeting and I got to rush and rush and I've got to, I've got to return all these calls. And I, if you're a student, it's like I've got to hit the books and then I've got to get food in me at the cafeteria and I've got to reply to all these text messages and I got, I'm just constantly, we're going from thing to thing and, and meeting to meeting or, or responsibility and we're just, we're checking our statuses and we're, we're responding, we're calling and, I don't have time to reflect on these things. Or we just don't slow down to do it. Because the other thing is we, we oftentimes don't know what questions to ask. So we stop because we're supposed to stop and reflect, but then we're like, now what do I do? What questions do we have? I don't know what I'm looking for. Now the point here that Solomon is making is, is not to become judgmental people about other people's yards. Don't, don't read this and think Solomon is, is into landscaping. He's really big and he wants us to be extra critical about other people's yards. That's not Solomon. He's making an observation in the moment. Connecting the dots of what he's learned about life, about the way that God has designed life to work, and he's applying it to himself. This verse doesn't say that he stopped, he considered, he was instructed by it, and then he went and he knocked on the man's door and said, Hey man, you need to get it together. No, it says he stopped and, you know, he, he saw, he considered, and it instructed. You know, he received instruction. The point here is, it instructed him, this, this evaluated experience. And so, the reality is, we can learn all sorts of things from life experiences if we evaluate them. The good, the bad, the painful, the tragic, the, the joys of life, the lows of life. We can learn all sorts of things. I found a section from a sermon from... Charles Spurgeon, this, he was known as the Prince of, of Preachers. He was a Baptist preacher in, in England and basically in his church in London and on June 3rd, 1888, he delivered a sermon on Proverbs 24 and on this, on this one verse right here, and this is a section from that sermon, I want to read it to you. He says this, Whatever you see, take care to consider it well. And you will not see it in vain. You shall find books and sermons everywhere. In the land and in the sea and in the earth and in the skies. And you shall learn from every living beast and bird and fish and insect. And from every useful or useless plant that springs out of the ground. We may also gather rare lessons from things that we do not like. He says, I'm sure that Solomon 
did not in the least degree admire the thorns and the nettles that covered the face of the vineyard, but he nevertheless found instruction in them. Many are stung by nettles, but few are taught by them. Now, sometimes we get, we get stung by life. We get, there's some things that bring pain. And sometimes we don't learn anything from it. Some people do. Solomon was one. Some men are hurt by briars, but here's one who is improved by them. Wisdom hath a way of gathering grapes of thorns and figs of nettles. So sweet things are coming from these experiences. And she distills good from herbs which in themselves are noisome and evil. Good word to use this week. Noisome. I want to use that. Do not fret therefore over thorns, but get good out of them. Do not begin stinging yourself with nettles. Grip them firmly and then use them for your soul's health. So there's some pain that God can use for some tremendous good. Trials and troubles, worries and turmoils, little frets and little disappointments may all help you, if you will, like Solomon. See and consider them well. Look upon them and receive instruction. So big question. How often do we do this? How often do we evaluate the experiences in our lives? This set of verses just reminds us to stop and consider our way. So I want to spend the rest of our time walking through how, how this could look practically. Here's a couple of real helpful things to focus on. One would be don't ask the wrong questions. When you're, when you're stopping to evaluate, don't get stuck asking wasted or uh, you know, certain kinds of questions. Here's an example, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10. When we're spiraling, spiraling out of control, you want to avoid certain things like this. Solomon writes this, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such question. This verse reminds us that certain questions are just a waste of time to ask. When things are falling apart, one of the worst things you can do is say, why was life so much better when I was back in college? When I was a kid? Why, why, why was life so much better when I, when I didn't have kids? Or, or when I was single? When I was working at that job? Why was life so much better when, when we start going there in our mind and we're, we're, we're in that nostalgic mode? The wrong questions we start pondering on, we, it leads us to chasing after things that are no longer here and that have moved on. Seasons of life that have moved on. That's no longer the present. Another such question that you want to avoid is, why am I the only one? Why am I the only one? Why me? In other words, sometimes if my parents or my spouse would have fill in the blank, then I would be much better off. Why me? Maybe take a moment and jot down if there are any of these types of questions that you need to avoid, then jot that down. You know what? For some reason, I keep dealing with comparison or I keep getting into, into blaming others or I start complaining. And here's the questions that are, that are leading me to that place of asking these Wrong question. Solomon says there are certain questions you just don't want to ask. So that's the first thing is don't ask the wrong questions when you're in the process of evaluating. But choose a wise strategy for seeing circumstances clearly. Choose a wise strategy. You need to see things with a clear focus. So I want to, I want to end with this. This is a paradigm. This is a military paradigm I want to introduce you to. You may have heard this before. If you're a pilot, you'll, you'll, you'll know this. So if we have any pilots, we had one last service uh, who was an Air Force pilot. And, but this is a process 
developed by a colonel. His name was John Boyd. Here's a picture of him. He was a pilot and a military strategist. And he, he was a flight instructor who was known for his 40-second challenge. The 40-second challenge, okay? And he would bet his students that he could defeat them in less than 40 seconds from a position of disadvantage. And he never lost. Okay? And so he, he came up with something called the OODA loop. The OODA loop. Here's what it is. And this is a way, actually, to consider or to evaluate our lives so we learn. This is something that a fighter pilot needs to do is they have to observe, they have to orient, they have to decide, and they have to act. And it, and it has to happen quickly for a fighter pilot. And so just to get us in the, in the frame of mind of a pilot, I thought I'd show you a quick 30-second clip from Top Gun. Okay, to imagine yourself as a fighter pilot for a moment, okay? Because this will give us, you know, just a sense on how quick they have to act and evaluate in a moment's time what, what needs to be done. So here we go. Back to the 1980s, Top Gun. Coming in, Ice, coming in. Ice, that bogey's still behind you. I'm maneuvering for a shot. Stay with him, Matt. Stay with him. Take the shot. Nail him, nail him. Ice, I can't get a toe. Shoot, Maverick. I can't get him off my tail. Maverick, we're hit. We're hit again. It's okay. All systems are functioning. We're okay. Ice, on the count of three, break hard right. Three, two, one. Break right. Fire. All right, miss. Uh, as a you know, I was I can remember like that those scenes and stuff, and I did that on my bike with my friends. <laughs> Break hard right, ready on the count of three. Ready? There's some one-liners that you pick up in movies. I'm sure you have your own, but that was one of mine. So, <laughs> Break hard right. <laughs> I've never been in a dogfight. I have been in a few uh, chases on bikes and stuff like that as a kid, but but I've been in circumstances, and you have too, where. You, you're dealing with trouble and it feels like you're spinning in, in the air. And you're just, things are going on and you know things are spinning. And, and you need to know what's the right step. What's the right choice here? Notice these pilots, they're, things are happening. They have to, they can't just emotionally react and just shoot everything. They have to think. They have to orient themselves to what's going on. And so here, here's his OODA loop paradigm. Real quick, and then we'll wrap up. When we're faced with a tough situation, start with observing. The amount of time we have for observing is kind of like an accordion in life. Okay, Sometimes you have a real short window like a fighter pilot. They don't have a lot of time. They have a few moments, a few seconds to decide what to do. Sometimes our life with accordions out and we have a little longer time. We can reflect on the situation and give it the, th- the thought that it needs. And so think about, how much time do I have right now to, to evaluate the things that are coming to my mind? As you're sitting here, there's probably some things that you're... you're God is bringing to your mind that, that He's saying, look, take the time. How much time do you have right now? Does the decision need to be made today, tonight, tomorrow, next week, within the next year? How much time do you have? You need to observe, though. Before any of us can make a decision, we need information. Because the stakes are high in the decisions that we make, especially in high-stress situations. Without observing, we just react emotionally, and that can lead to further problems. Here's some questions. So what outcomes and consequences do I experience repeatedly? This is a good observation question. Or who can I talk to give me perspective and helpful insight, helpful information that I need? 
ultimately, to observe and really to see clearly, we need God's help. Walking with God helps us observe life differently. really leads us to the next part of his loop. The next part, he says, is to orient. He tells Pilate, orient yourself to, to something else outside of yourself. When you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then His resources begin to flow in your life. He begins to live inside you through His Holy Spirit. You can read the Bible, you can pray, and actually begin to learn to see God's angle on life. And if we can see differently, we can act differently. This is what orientation is all about. So often we just want to orient our lives based on our own experiences, but we need to to see, God, how did you make life to work? We need to orient to His ways and not just our own. So a couple questions. What does God's Word say? What's the truth? What What does God's Word say about what I'm facing? As we've looked at this series, sometimes the truth... And growing in wisdom can be painful. It's, it takes risk. It takes effort on our part. We have to search it out. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2. It's like hidden treasure. You've you, you got to go on an all-out search to orient yourself to how life works, how God made life to work. Another question, what, is, what does a wise person think about my situation? Again, that takes risk to, to go and ask. To say, hey, you've been watching me live my life. You've lived a lot longer than I. You've walked with God longer. What do, you, what do you see in my life? I think you know me well enough. What do, what do you see with what I'm facing? You know, well, Josh, you, you blew two tires. You snapped two sprinklers. Those cost you money. Are you, are you, are, are you handling your, how are you handling your money? Is there anything you need to double check there? Maybe that's not even the situation. Maybe it's, well, these relationships are fractured at work. These things are fractured over here. With friends, these things are fractured with extended family. Maybe we need to look at, you know, what, what does God's Word say about relationships? And let's, let's start there and we'll, we'll, we'll get our orientation first and then we'll evaluate. Okay, this connects to this. A wise person can sometimes help us see life more clearly. Another good question is this, what, what would please God here? It's an orientation question. What would really please Him? In parenting, I found this question to be very helpful. A lot of times... If I'll ask myself this question, I can prevent myself from having to clear everything up when I, when I go with the emotional reaction of what first comes to my mind. You know, I, I want my kids to not just orient on making mom or dad happy, but I want them to orient based on what God, what makes God happy, you know? And so they need to live for Him and they need to think more about pleasing Him than just pleasing the people around them. So I need to orient you know, I need to ask this question. God, what would please you in this moment? So then it leads to this, the decision point. Observe, orient, and then decide. We make a commitment to act in light of what's wise, what pleases God. And then, and then finally, we act. So we decide what needs to happen, and then we do what we've decided to do. And with whatever we face, we can grow in wisdom. If we slow down and we evaluate, we consider our way. Now, you may have your own way of evaluating. This is just a paradigm from a pilot. But it's helpful to consider what he's saying here because of how uh, this process slows us down and causes us to work on our thinking, causes us to consider our ways. And this is how we often need to consider what God is saying in the midst of our lives. As we wrap up, I want to encourage you to take out uh, your connection card and finish filling that out. And would you think through what is the step you can take? What is the next step? And in a moment, 
I'm just going to leave some time while, while the worship team is playing. In the background, we're just going to pray. and We're just going to let God speak to us. And we'll be silent up here, give you some time to pray and just respond to God. Is there something in your life that God is saying, stop and look at this? Like Solomon stopped at that vineyard. What is the vineyard in your life? Again, it's, this was not about a message about laziness. And that's the point that Solomon is drawing. But the main point we're making is all sorts of things are getting our attention in life. And God's saying, stop and reflect upon this thing. Slow down. Observe this. Get your bearings. So let's pray. I'm going to begin and then we'll just leave some time to pray. Father, thank You for this, this time that we've been able to spend together. Uh, Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Solomon's observation here. And just the, the way that as he's sharing his own evaluated life experience, Lord, we can learn from that and we could grow a great deal. So God, I just pray right now as we, as we spend some time in silence, Lord, I pray that we would speak with you, God. And we talk to you and we let you speak to us. God, would you point out the very things you want us to evaluate, the things we need to observe, orient ourselves to, the things that we need to commit to decide, God, what pleases you, and then act upon it, to not delay, Lord, but to do what you're saying, God. We pray for your help right now. Would you speak to us, God, as we listen? some of the things that you brought to our mind are are pressing issues and we have a short window to really consider and set some things in our heart and, and respond to you and some things God we may have a decade but God you you are Lord, Lord over all And Father, there are things right now that you want us to tighten up in our lives. You want us to adjust and reorient. And if we'll do that now, Lord, a decade from now can be very different. But if we fail to do that, God, a decade from now, things can come at us like a freight train that we didn't see coming. Like Solomon said, poverty coming upon a man like like an armed man. Lord, we, we don't want that experience. We want to be different people a decade from now because we've responded to You 
here and now, in the present. So God, we thank you for the things you brought to our mind. Help us to be people who decide and commit and then apply. We ask for your help. We need that, God. Will you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.